Amen. I get intro music now? This is amazing. This is, wow. How's everybody doing today? Glad that you're here. And uh, we are in part two of this series, Miracles. Amen? And so get ready because at the end we're going to pray for you. And we're believing big things uh, for you and our church. We believe that God's going to do some miracles today. Amen? That he did them then, why can't he do them now? Right? We're the same church from 2,000 years ago. People are like, well, no, is this up? No, listen. We are the same church from 2,000 years ago. Amen? There was a miracle happened last night. The Toronto Maple Leafs finally got past the first round. Congratulations for winning the cup. I mean, the first round. It's all right. We've, we've got enough cups in Tampa, so we've got to let it, you know, happen. Miracles. Miracles. I heard that the first Sunday we, we spoke on this, someone's neck was healed in the service. Someone's kidney was healed the next day. Isn't it amazing? And then I just got a little note from Coach Garrett, and he said at Weber International uh, University, uh, the baseball team, their coach has been speaking about Jesus. Well, this past week, 13 of the baseball team got saved and baptized. Come on. Is that a miracle? And that's just, that's in our community. We've been praying and praying and praying. It doesn't have to happen at New Hope Church. It can happen at any church. And that's what we're praying about. It's not just about this church. It's about God's kingdom. It's about people going from death to life, from darkness to light. Amen? And so today we're going to talk about miracles. A miracle is when God steps into the natural and does something supernatural that defies all human ability and understanding and even science. The purpose of a miracle is to make you look cool. No, it's not. The purpose of a miracle is to give glory to God and to show that He is the Creator. He is who He says He is. Amen? That's the purpose, putting his power on display for people to see and for people to also see these miracles and for people for their lives to be changed in an instant. Why miracles? These confirm the truth of the message and the truthfulness of the messenger. You know, Jesus shows up and he's they say, some of them were like, oh, he's a good teacher, and they're following him. But then guess what starts happening? Miracles. The Bible calls them signs and wonders. And Jesus even said that his followers will do greater works than these. Why? Not because I'm greater than Jesus. It's because he's greater in me. Right? I now have the Holy Spirit in me. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Um, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Peter and John in Acts 3 who walked up to the gate beautiful. And he said, 
I, um, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I will give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and what? Walk. And instantly the man was healed from a lifelong what? Ailment where he could not walk. I love this. Miracles. And I think a lot of times as a church, we don't feel equipped. We're like, well, I love reading about the miracles in the Bible. No, God is wanting us to expect miracles every day. In your marriage, in your place of work, when you're physically ill, when you're mentally ill. You know what? God is wanting us to expect and have faith that miracles happen, and they still happen. Miracles have not ceased. They're still happening every day. Praise God. Here's a couple, here's a couple types of miracles. I, I have seven here. I'm sure there's more. But Jesus, number one, fed thousands of people with barely anything. That was a miracle. The second one is cast out evil spirits. Three, healed the blind, deaf, sick, injured, and infirmed. Four, turned water to wine. Five, controlled the elements of nature. Right? He said to the wind, be still. And it was still. He, he allowed Peter to walk on water for a moment, just like David said, and then he got his focus off of Christ, and he began to sink. He controls the elements of nature. Six, allowed Peter and his crew cast a surprising large amount of fish. Seven, raised people from the dead. Now, if that doesn't show you he is who he says he is, I don't know what will convince you. And so today I want to talk about this story that um, if you come in a few weeks, I just noticed that in a few weeks it'll be actually part of what we're watching on Wednesday night in The Chosen. It so happened to be what I wanted to speak about today. And uh, we're going to read from the book of Mark, chapter 5. If you want to open up your Bible there, it'll be on the screen. If you look on the back side of your bulletin, you can take some notes on there. You may want to preach this to your neighbor. Like Pastor Landon, you're the preacher. No, no, you're the preacher too. You can do it. I believe in you. Get it. And we're going to start in verse 21. Look at this story. It's amazing. When Jesus had once again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So imagine this scene for a moment. We have Jesus, his ministry is getting going, people are being healed. He just cast out a demon... Uh, demons out of this guy, right? He had, he had just um, said to the wind and the waves, be still, and they were stilled. And now people are like, this Jesus guy, we want what he's got. Verse 22, then one of the synagogue leaders named uh, Jarius came. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, there might be some people in here that say, listen, for 12 years I had been dealing with this. 
Imagine putting yourself in her shoes just for a minute. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. They tried lots of things and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Amazing. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you that you still do miracles. And Lord, we pray that you would prepare us for those today and you would speak life and liberty and freedom in the house this morning. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. This woman suffered for 12 years. Any 12-year-olds in the room? One, two, three, four. That'd be your whole life. And I know your parents are like, I've been suffering for 12 years because I have a 12-year-old. <laughs> gotcha. She saw many doctors. Listen, they didn't, they didn't have what we have now. They were just trying to figure it out. And they tried everything. And it didn't work. And she spent everything she had. She sold everything. Who knows what kind of things she had to do to make the money. She spent all that she had. And it didn't get better. It got worse. In our culture now, imagine being in this situation. And some of you are like, sounds like me. With this issue or this issue, I've been doing this. In their culture, she was literally called unclean. Every time she showed up somewhere and there was just a little bit of blood here or there, guess what happened? unclean, and she was ostracized by everybody. If she was married, I, I read in Jewish tradition that she would have to be divorced because of her ailment. Possibly people were saying unclean to her every day for 12 years. It's not enough that she dealt with this terrible physical thing going on but also dealt with the world always calling her out. What a situation to be in. By the very law of her people, she couldn't even live in her own home. She had to be away from everybody. She was ostracized from society and couldn't come into contact with her friends. She couldn't make new friends. She was excommunicated from services in the synagogue and thus shut out from everything that she knew and everything that she wanted to do 
because of this physical ailment. She had been bleeding for 12 years. Guess what she needed? A miracle. And so today, maybe you're like, you know what, Pastor Landon, this sounds bad, but I've got something bad too. I think a lot of times we, we want to be like, well, that's really bad, so I don't have to worry about mine. Guess what? God cares about you too. God cares about what you're dealing with too. You don't have to deal with something for 12 years for God to give you a miracle. Amen? It may be last week. She needed a miracle. Today you may have walked in here and you said, I need a miracle. And I'm not going to give you some big thing like, well, listen, if you give $1,000 to New Hope Church today, you will get your miracle. How dumb is that? We'll give you this special thing, and you can take it home, and within seven days, you'll have a miracle. Listen, Jesus can heal you today. Amen? Praise the Lord. I got a couple points for you. I'll just tell you this. I'll give you a heads up. We have two points today. Point uh, two has like five or six sub points. <laughs> All right? You ready for it? First one. I don't even know if I spelled them right. I was here early, okay? Jesus' miracles are immediate. Everybody say immediate. You're like, Pastor Land, does that mean that it has to be immediate? I don't know. I don't know the answer, but what I've read in the Bible is typically if there was a miracle happen, it was like that. It was immediate. She was immediately healed. Look, verse 29. Immediately her bleeding stopped. Listen, she had to sneak in the crowd. She wasn't even allowed to be there. But she got through, and immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. You need to be freed from your suffering today? So what has changed from this moment that she was freed till now? Because people are like, well, that doesn't happen anymore. That's just in the Bible days. It still happens. Amen? Miracles still happen. And we are so busy as a society that we try everything but Jesus. Everything else. When our soul is sick today, we often go to different doctors and spend a great deal of money. And listen, those doctors are fine. But I'm saying, why do we go there first? And we're not healed by them. A sick soul may go to a doctor of entertainment. Well, if I just watch some Netflix, I'll be okay. But guess what? We find no cure 
They may pay a visit to Dr. Success. Well, if I just work harder and make more money, I'll feel better. We go to Dr. Pleasure, Dr. Self-Help, Dr. Religion. But we forget about Dr. Jesus who can make it happen immediately. He can do it today. I love the story about Lazarus. Or as Jesus in the Chosen calls him, Laz. Laz. <laughs> but imagine Lazarus is in the tomb. He's there for four days. Jesus is like, we'll just kind of let him hang out for, for four days. Because it'll, it'll, you know, it'll be more dramatic. <laughs> so Jesus shows up and everybody's sad and they're crying. And Jesus is like, hey, Laz, come forth. And Lazarus walks out of the tomb. He still has the grave clothes on. He's like, poor guy. But guess what? They didn't have to wait. Jesus said it, and it happened. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And they're like, okay, wait about three days, four days, maybe five at the most, and the miracle will happen. It was immediately. Lazarus got up out of the place and came out. Because Jesus spoke it. Just like in the very beginning, God said, let there be light. And what does the scripture say? People are like, well, it's, if you go back and you check out the science, this is how it, this is actually how it went. No, no, God just said, let there be light, and there was light. And I'm sure there was a giant noise, who knows, whatever noise you want to make. And there was light. Feeding of the 5,000. Jesus prayed over the loaves and the fish. It's not fishes, people. And the fish. One fish, 50 fish. Okay, just, and it just, it happened. It was immediate. They fed the 5,000 in the storm. Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping. And the disciples in fear come to him and say, don't you care? We're going to drown. The, the boat's going to go over. Jesus is like, What? Okay, calm, be still. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> and guess what? Immediately, the wind and the waves stopped. We have a God who does miracles in an instant. Here's the scripture for that if you want. We, we just share scripture here at this church. We don't make stuff up. Look, Mark 4.39. Look, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, 
be still. Then the wind died down, and it was what? Completely calm. When God does a miracle in your life, it's completely and immediately. If not, it's not yet a miracle, but maybe it's on the way. And I don't know why it doesn't happen for everybody. And I don't have the answer to that. And it's not because you listened to country music yesterday. And it's not because you did that wrong thing a week ago. I don't know why the miracle may not happen. But we're going to keep believing and we're going to keep having faith. Right? That woman, 12 years the man who sat by the pool of Bethesda had been in that situation in his life for what? 38 years. Jesus shows up. Hey, pick up your mat. And guess what? He got up. He was healed that day. Why that day? I have no idea. I am not God. But I believe in miracles. I believe that they're immediate and they're complete. Number two, everybody say two. Immediate miracles require faith in Jesus. He is the key ingredient to the miracle. And we don't use Jesus for his miracles. We follow Jesus and we ask him for the miracle. And if he wants to do it, guess what he's going to do? He's going to do it. And it requires faith. People are like, well, it's just about the faith part. No, it's who we have faith in. And who do we have faith in? We have faith in Jesus. Mark 5, 27 to 28. When he heard heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, sorry, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I, do, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Church, what was the key ingredient? She had faith that she would be healed. And now, are you ready for the sub, the sub points? Write them down. Here we go. We're going to talk about faith for, for a, a few moments. Because I believe when we have faith, Things, special things happen. So here's A. Faith requires risks. She was unclean and not even supposed to be in the crowd or touching anyone. She took a risk that she would be yelled at again. Unclean! Church, we need to be able to take risks in our faith. We need to step out of the boat just like we heard about Peter. You know how scary that would have been? Especially if you can't swim. We need to take a risk. Listen, six years ago, our church took a huge risk. We moved to this building with 60 people who said, we are full of faith. 
and we want to see God do something special. We may not have the money. We may not have everything we need. We may not have it all together. We might look bad and frostproof because we're going to that building that's been closed for six or seven years. But we don't care because we are stepping out in faith. We're taking a risk. Amen. And there are people sitting in the room right now who are probably happy we took the risk because they follow Jesus now. They got baptized because someone said, we're going to step out in faith and we're going to see God move a mountain with a faith like a mustard seed. Faith requires risk. Maybe the only risk you have to take today is like, wait, I'm going to go up front and be prayed for. For some of you, that might be the biggest risk of your whole life. But that's a good one. Because you're like, I'm going to, I don't care what people say, I'm going to risk it. Faith requires risk. Number, the second part to this, B, faith captures Jesus' attention, his attention. Have you ever wondered, like the disciples, how in the world Jesus knew that the woman with the issue of blood touched him? Right? Because he, whatever cloak he was wearing, there was possibly hundreds of people around, maybe a thousand, right? Because remember, just before or after this, they fed 5,000 men plus women and children, so who knows how many people, and they were following, the, they wanted to get close to Jesus. It's not like Jesus had a security team, so they're all right there. And so we're like, Jesus is like, the word touch, Jesus is wondering, who touched me? The word touch comes from the root word, and I don't even know how to say it, so I'm not going to say it for you, H-A-P-T-O, which means to fasten to or cling to. When Jesus asked, who touched me, he was not referring to the act, the physical act of her touching his cloak. I believe he was referring to the spiritual touch of faith that she had in him. Right? Because everybody would be like, where's that cloak? Just like bring it around the world. Everybody can touch the cloak. No, no. Jesus wants to make sure people know it's not the cloak that healed her. It was me. It was Jesus. Faith captures his attention. In fact, the story didn't even say she touched Jesus physically. He, she touched his clothing. But Jesus still said, who touched me? We haven't read that part yet. What Jesus really was asking, who clung to me with their faith? And maybe today you're saying, that's me. I need to cling to Jesus with my faith. This woman was in a desperate situation, and this was her absolute last option that she had.
and an opportunity to an opportunity to escape those 12 years that she's been in. So today, maybe you're like, man, I've been trying everything else. What if we flipped it as believers? What if we went to Jesus first for everything that we need? And guess what? He will, he will heal us or he'll send us to so-and-so doctor. And that's okay too, isn't it? Cling to him now. Look what, look what the psalmist says. Psalm 63, 8. It says, my soul clings to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Many people in the crowd put their hands on Jesus, but this bleeding woman was the only one who truly touched Jesus. Her faith was so powerful that it reached God more deeply than anyone else in the crowd. Why? Because he stops. It stops him in his tracks. And he's looking around, and look what it says here. Verse 30 to 34 in Mark 5. It says, at once Jesus realized that, that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? The disciples are probably like, what? Everybody's like, everybody touched your clothes. We're in a crowd. There's lots of people around. Verse 31, you see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Verse 32, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. Everybody say trembling. I got you to say trembling today. Trembling with fear told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your sufferings. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith in what? We're going to get to that part. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see is controversial, okay? But I'm getting it from Scripture. See, look at this. Fearful, but faith-filled. You know you can have some fear and still have faith that God's going to do what he said he's going to do? You're like, but Pastor Landon, we're Christians. We, we don't have any fear. I have fear sometimes. I had fear coming to this place. I'm like, man, how are we going to do all this? And then my wife has a whole list of things like, what if this happens? What if this happens? I'm like, I didn't think about that. Don't tell me these things. I'm faith-filled. After she, after she touched Jesus and turned around, Scripture says she came trembling, right? We just read it and had fear. And Jesus wasn't like, oh, well, don't have fear, young lady. No, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. 
Church, just because it's scary, just because your moment is full of fear, be full of faith also. God will take care of the fear if you take care of your faith. Amen? And so just because you're full of fear today, You know, some of us are more fearful than others. Have you noticed that? Right? One of, your, one of the spouses in your house, they're fearful of this. The other one's like, I don't even care about that kind of stuff. Whatever. The Bible says that we can drink poison and it won't hurt us. We can pick up snakes and they won't harm us. Right? That's what the Bible says. But then the other spouse is like, what if, uh, what if this happens? Church, it's okay to be fearful every so often. But let that fear turn into faith. Step out even though it's scary. Because God is on the way. He's doing something special. And guess what? Even though she was fearful of the crowd, even though she was fearful of showing the world who she was, who God healed, guess what? She was also courageous. Because I believe that when we have some fear, but we step out anyway, we go from fear to having courage to step out even when we're scared D everybody say D I think there's a D I don't know if I put it up there did I if I didn't it's all right God's attention to your faith is undivided pause for a moment can you close your eyes just for a minute think about the situation it's a dusty street 2,000 years ago, there's a crowd around, and Jesus pauses. It's like a slow-mo scene in a movie, and he turns around, and there's this woman there, and he sees her. because she was full of faith. And in that moment, his attention was undivided. It was just him and her. You can open your eyes. You pictured it, right? The crowd was all around. And finally, the woman was identified and Jesus zoomed in on her and calls her by a name he hadn't called anybody in the New Testament, daughter. daughter you know that God calls you by name and that when you have faith he attends to you his attention is drawn to you and I believe that God is so amazing that he can multitask and attend to you when he's attended to that person he can attend to that person while he's attending to this person over here And it's undivided. It's you and him. Just like it was the woman at the well. Just like it was when he was helping the woman who was caught in the act of adultery picked her up and said, go and sin no more. His attention was with her. Just like it was with Zacchaeus, the wee little man in the tree. He said, come on down. 
I need to hang out with you today at your place. His attention was undivided with this woman. He said, daughter. And this is the last one. E says, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Faith in what? Because we can have faith in anything, right? I believe that this. I believe this. Her faith in Jesus. And it showed, I want, I, Jesus wanted us to know as we read the scripture, he wanted the woman to know at the time, it wasn't this magical thing about touching his cloak. It was where her faith was. And it was in Jesus alone. Your faith has healed you. Can we stand for a moment before we go today? I'd love to have those who helped me pray come on up if you don't mind. Just come on up front. Yep, Howie. Because I believe we're going we're gonna to pray and we're, you're going to experience a miracle today. Amen? Because we're full of faith. Here's a couple questions for you. Do you have faith? Are you full of faith? Will you step out in faith? If you notice, we have, we have five senses. People are arguing about we have more senses, right? Just like everything else in the world is being questioned. Five, five senses, right? Our sight, smell, touch, taste, our hearing. But I believe that God wants to give you a sixth sense today. And what is that? Faith. And that's just believe. Jesus kept saying all throughout the Gospels, believe. Believe. And that's really having faith. And as a body of believers, or maybe you're in here today, and you're like, this is my day, I'm going to follow Jesus today, so I'm going to be a Christian too. But as believers, we need to pause and take moments like this and allow God to work and move in our life. Allow moments for God to build your faith. Don't always rush in with a credit card. This is not, a, this is not my wallet. I guess I was trying to... I used to do that. I'd be like, well, I'll just get another credit card and take care of it. And then my wife and I started praying, God, would you take care of this? Because we're done with the debt stuff. And we would just swoop in with a credit card and there'd be no space for God to do anything. And we'd just swoop in with, and listen, I'm not, I'm not saying any of these are even wrong, but we just swoop in with a Tylenol, right? 
which Tylenol is fine. But what if we prayed first and believed God to do a miracle? Instead of us doing it. I think in our modern culture, we have so many ways to fix everything that we forget who can do the miracles. And then we do little things that help us for a day or help us for two days. But God's like, no, no, I can take care of that for good. Look what it says in Hebrews 11.1 1, about this new sense that God wants to give us. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We can't tangibly see everything, but God gives us this thing called faith that we can believe when we ask in his name, according to his purpose, according to his will, he will do it. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, for we live by faith, not by sight. So today, if you need a miracle, if you're going to, maybe today you say, I'm going to stand in for someone who needs a miracle. Maybe my marriage is falling apart. Maybe it's your leg. Who, physical, mental, spirit, God can take care of any of them. And so as we just spend a moment, if you don't come up, can you help us pray from there where you are? Put your hand this way and pray for those who are up here. And we just want to pray for people because we believe that God is going to touch people today. God's going to do a miracle today. Amen? And then I'll come back here in a little bit here and close us up.